Hey listeners, Lex on the Decks here. Before you get stuck into this episode of Hot Girls, I wanted to let you know about something else you may be interested in. Though Hot Girls in its podcast format isn't releasing new episodes any longer, if you head over to my Substack, which is lexonthedecks.substack.com, you'll find more interviews and insight on gender minority artists and how to overcome any barriers to entry. You'll also get the opportunity to sign up to my weekly newsletter, Five Good Things. This is an email letter which will land in your inbox on Fridays, sharing five of my favourite cultural or creative discoveries of the week. You'll find all that on lexonthedex.substack.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Hot Girls. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex, on the decks. This is the show where we explore the mechanics of the music industry through intimate conversations on creativity and biography episodes exploring the lives of iconic artists. This week, I'm looking at an artist who has had an insane and from the outset, probably completely unpredictable level of success. She's also someone who creates a completely different kind of music to anyone else I've looked at this season. But I've decided to look at Enya partly because she is one of my favorite artists, but also because of the way her music has been sampled in hip hop. So I felt like there was a nicer link back to a lot of the artists I've spoken about at other points. Being an outsider to the world who have sampled her meant Enya almost got cut out of the credit she deserved. But instead, it ended up making her a huge amount of money and landing her a place in history as one of the most unique composers and artists of a generation. Her incredible legacy and net worth have fascinated people. As she hasn't toured, she does very little press, and she generally operates in a totally different way to the conventions of her worlds. As one Vice reporter put it, have you ever wondered how a reclusive Irish New Age artist outsold Aretha Franklin? This is A Lesson in Music by Enya. Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. Born on the 17th of May, 1961, Enya Patricia Brennan was born to an Irish family and was one of nine children. Perhaps fair to assume her parents were Catholic. Wink. She was educated in a boarding school and she said in an interview that she started a diary at that time, which she's kept since, writing in it sometimes every single day. She was definitely a reflective character from her teens and someone who was curious about both her mind and the world. 
And that curiosity, I think, is an essential quality of anyone great and especially anyone creatively great. You have to be interested in the world. Yes, with my childhood, there was um, so much music happening around me and that has a great influence on me. And it's, you know, to my parents, my grandparents, they were involved in music. And uh, it's, I come from a very big family and very happy sort of uh, memories of my childhood. How many of you were there? There's nine in the family, four brothers and four sisters. And where do you fit? I am, uh, I like to put it, the fourth youngest. The fourth? <laughs> Her parents were both musical. Her dad, Leo, was in a popular Irish show band, and her mum also played instruments. But it was through her siblings that Enya got her first taste of creating music and being part of the pop circuit. They formed a band called Clanned, C-L-A-N-N-E-D. And they originally started performing together in 1970. Then Enya joined them 10 years after that in 1980, when she was 19 years old. At that point, the band had already had album success and toured Germany. Their sound was a blend of Irish folk and pop with a little bit of a kind of Kate Bush vibe in there. And the success that they had in the pop space came in early 1980s when they won an Ivan Novello Award um, and a British Academy Award. And they also released a single with U2's Bono. Enya wasn't in that group for long. She dropped out after only a couple of years to pursue a solo career, which is rumoured to have caused maybe a little bit of friction in the family. But you can definitely hear resonance of their sound in Enya's music. And if you're interested, maybe take a listen to the theme song they did for Harry's Game. If you just type that into YouTube, it will come up. When Enya left the group, she began working immediately with two of the key people who worked on Clant, Roma Ryan and Nikki Ryan. If you listen to the episode I did on Sade, you'll maybe remember that Sade was really a band with Sade Adu as the lead singer. The same core group of musicians worked on all of Sade's output. And similarly, Enya Patricia Brennan is the artist, but the output of Enya really is three people. It's Enya, Roma, and Nikki. Enya sings, composes, and fronts. Nikki is the manager, producer, and arranger. And Roma writes most of the lyrics. Enya wasn't working with an a She wasn't booking in different studio sessions, working with different producers, etc. It really was more like a band. All three of those individuals work in a unique way and they they found their space working together. Roma is truly a passionate creative, obsessed with words and culture and meaning. She's written books behind languages that she's made up because it matters to her to have that detail. She's written a ton of poetry, which is unreleased, and she's really just a fascinating creative mind who, through Enya, had a world and a sound to channel that. Similarly, Nikki, as an arranger, never really worked according to a rule book. To develop Enya's sound, they used reverb and layering on vocals in a way which hadn't been done before. In the original work that Nikki and Enya did when she stepped away from the group, it was from this idea they had that they wanted to create a chorus of one, they called it and ended up on some of the songs layering Enya's voice almost a hundred times. The, the sound is down to working with uh, Nicky Ryan because when I met with him many years ago, he had this idea to use my voice lead vocal, but also to use my voice as an instrument. And he knew I had a great love for harmony and he wanted to experiment uh, with my voice being recorded so many times, singing the same part. And then we never knew um, 
how many voices it would entail for each piece. It's, mm-hmm. it's a trial and error and from listening because you want to enhance what is there. You, you don't want to dominate, you know, right. what the sort of emotional feeling of that song is. So it's um, time-consuming, hence the three years on each album. The three years, yeah. But this is where he layers my voice. Though most of Enya's success story is really different from other artists, one thing which is similar is that there are a few small things which led to the one big thing which ultimately broke her through commercially. For Enya as a solo artist, the smallish thing was when she was commissioned to contribute to the soundtrack of a small film called The Frog Prince. After that was released in 1984, she was invited by a TV producer called Tony McCauley to compose a track for the BBC documentary TV series he was working on called The Celts. Coincidentally, Enya had already recorded a track called March of the Celts, so decided to submit that track. Initially, each episode of the series was supposed to be featuring a different composer, but the director liked Enya's track so much that he commissioned her to compose the entire score for the series. And that score ended up being released as her debut album, self-titled Enya. It's interesting knowing that as her music does sound quite filmic and I think that space, that sort of soundtrack world gave her more creative freedom than, try, than if she'd say tried to create a commercial project as her first release. The album was released by BBC Records in the UK and by Atlantic Records in the US. It didn't do huge numbers initially but it performed better than expected and it provided a really solid foundation for what Enya would go on to do with her next albums. Before getting into them, though, I want to take a step back from the journey to just talk about one of the songs which featured on that first album, Bodice. Even if you're listening and you don't really get Enya or listen to her music, you'll almost certainly have heard Bodice because of the way it's been sampled. And sampling, if you aren't familiar with that word, is essentially taking an element or a section of an existing song and repurposing it to make it work elsewhere. So the first time Bodice was sampled was in 1996, or the first time it was sampled in a a sort of known way, uh, was in 1996, 10 years after its original release. And it was sampled by the Fugees on the song Ready or Not. And the sample is the bit that goes... So that resonates. (laughs) Sorry, I can't play it. I'll get sued. Very controversial because basically what happened was the Fugees produced the album, released the album, and then Enya heard the album and she had not been contacted for clearance of a sample. Now, obviously, if you use sample, you're um, you're breaking copyright if you don't get permission from the artist first and agree in a, a deal um, for how much of the, of the rights they will get. So um, because they didn't clear it with Enya for some reason, her and her team could have basically pulled the whole Fuji's album. And so here's a little bit about her talking about that process. Um, and at first when, you know, it's, you're dis, you, you really are sort of in disbelief. Because you, you don't believe that they would do it uh, so openly. Um, but when I heard the album and I did hear Bodice, I was quite disappointed because they had um, sampled quite a few um, songs and had credited the various people and I'd ask and seek permission but had not with me so uh, immediately the record company and the publishers just went to their record company and said we're going to pull the song which entailed pulling the album but then the manager David Songberg uh, uh, came and spoke and said that they were not a rap but of hip-hop and that they were 
uh, trying to portray a different image and trying to uh, say something that was quite different. So I listened, and then in the end, I got very concerned for the group because they had a number one album in the US uh, charts. And uh, I thought it'd be terrible that they'd have to pull the album out of the charts, out of the shops. So, um, so I said the song would stay in the album, and but they had to um, put in an apology with their their record. It has to be that um, that people just can't go and take music from somebody without permission. That song, Ready or Not, ended up being one of the Fuji's biggest selling and most lasting hits. Bodice was sampled again by P. Diddy in 2003 on the Mario Winans song, I Don't Want to Know. P. Diddy learned from the Fuji's mistake and took a very different approach to that sampling. He made it a much more prominent part of the release of the song by crediting Enya as a featured artist and contacting her personally, proposing 60% of the royalties go to her. So excluding touring and collateral, etc., Enya actually made more from the song, I Don't Want to Know, than Diddy or Mario did. Which might sound crazy, but the sample is so unique and so irreplaceable. So I'm with Diddy that it was the right thing to do. Getting back to her releases, the unexpected success of that first album led to Enya meeting the chairman of Warner Music. And he signed Enya to their label as he was personally a very big fan of her. So it wasn't that kind of like, what's your social following? sense. He just really liked her music and he gave her complete creative freedom over it, even down to not having deadlines for releases. So it was very hands-off. Enya, Roma and Nikki just working away. 1988 was when the album Watermark was released and no one necessarily expected it to be a commercial hit, but it absolutely was, with the lead single Orinoco Flow spending three weeks at number one in the UK. Watermark was followed in 1991 with the album Shepherd Moons, Enya's biggest selling album. It features one of my favorite Enya songs, Caribbean Blue. And the lyricist Roma said of that song, As with all dreams, we reach for the ideal, and Caribbean Blue represents such a dream. The lyrics can be summed up in three words. Believe in yourself. It was Enya's fifth album which featured the track Only Time, released in 2000. And it was around that time that Enya's career circled back to the world of soundtrack, as she became a key voice on the soundtrack and musical composition for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Maybe. That song received a Golden Globe and Oscar nomination. So now you have a sense of Enya's background and journey to success, I want to just highlight a few interesting things about her. The first, which has gathered a lot of interest on the old net, is her living setup and her supposed reclusive lifestyle. Enya lives in a castle in Ireland by herself with some staff, but single. She said that when you're creative and mysterious, people automatically describe you as eccentric. I'm going to read an extract from The Sun, that pinnacle of British journalism, uh, mainly for the lols, but I also think it highlights why she might perhaps prefer to engage in press slightly less frequently than other people. She is wealthier than Adele, has sold more records than One Direction, and lives in a castle next door to Bono. Yet despite her phenomenal success, Irish singer-songwriter Enya has never been snapped stumbling out of a nightclub, nor has she ever dated a fellow star or been involved in a bitchy celebrity catfight. As one pal admitted, she's not exactly a barrel of laughs. You wouldn't go for a few pints with her. 
Despite shifting more than 75 million albums globally, the single 59-year-old, whose £91 million fortune was last week revealed to make her the richest woman in British and Irish music history, has never even toured as a solo artist. Instead, she spends her days as a recluse. (laughs) A reclusive living in what I imagine is an absolutely beautiful castle and probably a very creative, inspiring place. Since purchasing the castle, Enya has made significant changes to its boundaries. She's had to increase the height of the gates and the walls. Um, And so she has increased the privacy around it. But I think that living environment is part choice, partly about taste and inspiration, but also partly about protection. Unsurprisingly, I think, given the majesty of her music, she's had several stalkers and some quite haunting experiences as a result. In 1997, a stalker actually stabbed himself in the neck after being thrown out of her parents' pub. He'd been tracking her for a year by the time that incident happened. And in 2005, two stalkers appeared near her home within a week, with one actually gaining entry and tying up one of her members of staff in her home while trying to find the singer. Enya managed to flee to a bedroom and triggered a pre-installed panic alarm, which fortunately spooked the stalker, and she was unharmed. The next thing I want to touch on is the global nature of Enya's music. As well as being number one in the UK, she's been number one in Japan, Switzerland, New Zealand, Sweden, and Germany. And I think a huge part of her success is down to the way her and Roma work with lyrics. It's almost like the meaning of Enya's songs isn't explicitly given to you in words, like in most songs. It's like a layer deeper. To give you an example of what I'm kind of getting at or what I mean, when you listen to, let's take Adele's Hello. The lyrics are very literal and they move you because of how literal they are and because you can imagine being in that situation. You know, like, hello, it's me. And she's like on the end of the phone saying, hello, it's me. It's it's literal. Um, versus, as I said, when, they, when Roma described what the lyrics of Caribbean Blue were about, they're about a dream, a deep dream. And the ideal of that dream being realized in the way that Caribbean Blue Sea is like the ideal dream. The, it's a fantasy in itself. Um, so the, the meaning of the lyrics is not actually the words that are said. It's some, It's the words describe the way you feel. <laughs> Does that make sense? And there's that layer. And then I think there's also the fact, you know, English isn't the only language that they use. So Enya's songs mix English, Gaelic and Latin, as well as with um, J.R.R. Tolkien's languages, Siddhara and Quexian. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but essentially the language of the elves for the Lord of the Rings work. And then there's also a fifth language that Enya developed with Roma Ryan called Loxian, which Roma says is purely an artistic language and that it wasn't inte- originally intended to be used more than once. But her and Enya began using it as a series of sound because they wanted a soundscape which didn't have a meaning or they weren't telling you the meaning. I suppose you you decide what, what the sound means to you and where it takes you personally. These languages and the depth of the creative worlds that Enya, Nikki and Roma build creates a space for a hyper-loyal fan base to own a deep knowledge about an artist in a way that's harder to do with the more visible and overt stars of today. There's less exclusivity with most artists out there in the world than there is for Enya's loyal fans who really can take the time to learn these languages that can be part of understanding her as an artist and obsessing. There's actually an official Enya fan forum called Unity who connect with each other across globes and arrange ways to expand the legacy of her music and develop the worlds around it. Well, the Grammy was a a wonderful achievement, Um, but 
with me, when I work in the studio, I tend to try to forget about the sales, the success, and concentrate solely on the music. I believe it's very important to put that very much firstly. So as is probably quite clear, I'm a big fan of Enya. Her music has moved me deeply for years. Actually, on Spotify the other day, when everyone was getting their Your Unique Moment thing, I got Your Unique Pairing is, I think, Enya and Cardi. So there you go. (laughs) Thank you, Enya, for the music. I'm going to leave this episode with a quote from her and her intention with her communications in music. Um, It's so beautiful, so I'm just going to take a little pause before I say it. Enya says, It's about showing people they were able to achieve what they wanted just by believing in it. And that that's all you really need to make your dreams happen. That belief. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week. What up, Lex? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.